Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Warning, the Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Dr. S'mores, Mr. Kyle Morris, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Ray Cash, Mr. Rance Morris. How you doing, sir? I'm good now that you know my name. (laughs) Thank y'all for listening to another edition of the Outsider's Edge podcast right here on the ChairShot Radio Network. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I fucked that intro up a couple of different times. Uh, But we're here now, and we're doing this. Uh, Yeah. We're back. Yeah. Y'all thought we weren't going to come back. Y'all thought, oh, typical Rance and Kyle, they done missed a week, they out again. Nah, y'all. Nah. We couldn't stop now. We couldn't stop now that this glass house is being exposed from all angles. Look, man, so I want to say this. This, this give, Let's give the disclaimer now. This is going to be a bit AEW-centric. We're going to talk extreme rules and do the predictions. And I don't want our listeners to think that we are the show where you can come to listen just to see AEW be dissed. That is not the intention. But when you do stupid shit, stupid shit gets called out. And there's a lot of dumb things coming from Mr. Tony Khan. And as our listeners will know, we are a news and topic-based show. We are not a booking-based show. If y'all want us to stop talking about AEW all the motherfucking time, then AEW needs to keep their asses out of the news for all the wrong motherfucking reasons. That's a very salient point, sir. And like, also, we didn't go looking for, just to be yeah. clear, like a good example, we did not go looking for any of our topics for tonight. They just keep fucking happening. Well, so if, if I may, uh, journalism, if you don't mind, when you say that just happened, quite literally, what happened tonight? We, so the show drops every Friday afternoon. Thank you for listening, by the way. 
Uh, but we're recording tonight a little early. We're recording on Wednesday night. And if, as you know, Wednesday night is Dynamite night. I haven't seen it. I don't like to watch stuff unless I can watch it in order. I don't want to be distracted. So I haven't seen anything yet. Sorry. But I got I got the news. Those of you who have been paying attention know that there has been some, shall I say, growing unrest between one Andrade El Idolo and Sammy Guevara. I mean, shoot, Sammy might call it growing unrest. Andrade is straight up, fuck this dude, and said it from the beginning with his whole chest. Got out there on the Twitter and said, and I name names, by the way. So Hashtag Sammy. <laughs> well... That's 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 been more accurate. Thank you for for clearing that up. That is more accurate. Um, dog, these dudes got in a legit fight tonight, and it's not a work. No, uh, what's crazy? So like, Andrade says, "I name names." According to the report, Sammy tried to do that. You know, Eddie Kingston mush mouth bullshit. Andrade threw punches. <laughs> yeah, look, y'all y'all forget. Andrade like, ready to throw bows. I don't know if you've ever been to Gomez Palacio. Like, my boy throw hands. Listen, Sammy is from the Texas side of Latino. Andrade is from the Mexican side of Latino. And they are a different side of Latino. Dog, talk to him. Talk to him. Um, <laughs> and and so, we're going to talk a lot to Tony Khan. But I think Andrade is a good place to start because, number one, it's the most recent thing. But well, number two. Honestly, Sammy is a better place to start. Andrade is a good place to start in terms of Andrade is the latest in a long line of shiny new toys who comes in, gets pushed a little bit, and then immediately forgotten about because the new shiny toy has come in. And he's pissed because, like, unlike a lot of those old shiny toys, this shiny toy's wife is actively employed by the other guy. And so, like, he he ready to go back to wifey and is willing to tell anybody and their mother... Now that Vince is up out the paint and uh, Daddy Paul is in charge, he is ready to go back to wifey. Uh, Or to go back to Mexico. Keep it a buck. He don't give a fuck. He got options. Um, But Sammy is a better place to start. Okay. Because every time I turn around, Sammy got heat with somebody. Literally. Every time I fucking turn around. And not people that you see having heat with people like that. Like, Eddie generally isn't hated in the locker room. No. Andrade generally not somebody who's hated in the locker room. And they're also, like, they're both hot-headed and, like, outspoken, but they're not people who go looking to throw shade at their coworkers. And every time I turn around, Sammy got heat with someone, or he's doing something stupid, or, you know, him and his wife doing like incredibly dangerous spots and not taking care of their um their partners in the ring yeah and like and i want and i'm saying all this without even getting into his shady like shit that went down with his previous fiance and all that like whatever live your life and be a shitty person if you want to i'm not trying to get in between you and your current marriage like if y'all are happy being y'all then be happy being y'all but y'all are both shitty people and it ain't got nothing to do with the romance. Y'all are just shitty people. Well, Tay Conti is not without her controversies as well. Um, and I, I don't want to really go too deep into it right now, but Tay Conti has had her moments um, saying some things uh, about other races that were not the most comfortable. Let's put it like that. 
Yeah. Oh, so, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, like, they're both just not good people. And Sammy is a good example. Like, we can call it now. You know, when he said that shit about Sasha and then apologized, we were all, yeah. like, we were both, like, very much, this kid's 24 years old. He made a mistake. He fucked up. You know, he's said the right things. Let's give him a chance to do better and be better. Um, That was, like, a year and a half ago. And instead of being better, he's been worse. I I think so. Sammy is a is a perfect example to me of pretty much his entire run. He's been the right hand man on screen and possibly off of Chris Jericho. So Who's Sammy is in the locker room. Exactly. So to to pardon the the mob pun here, but Sammy has basically been a made man, right? Yeah. And big facts, big facts. Uh, and again, not only who he's associated with, um, which is a big thing, but also. Uh, Sammy's one of the best performers in the world in that ring. So that gives him a lot of clout, I think. And I feel like how young he is, how quick he got to the position he got, because, you know, Sammy ain't been wrestling 10 years like a lot of other guys. Sammy's been doing this for a minute, but I mean, again, he started super young, got hired with the big company super young, was the first match on television super young. Um, he's feeling himself a little too much, and there has been no precedent to bring him down again, I question, and I'm. This is not a diss. Maybe it should be a diss, but it's not a diss to these people. But what are the producers and the agents there for? This is their job to keep people in line. And that's why I said Sammy's a better place to start mm. because the real issue, the reason I say that the glass house has been exposed from all sides, is there is no accountability. Yeah. In this company. They are they stay reacting instead of proacting. They are constantly out here putting out the fires after the fact. Not to mention they can't plug the leaks to save their fucking lives. That's their right. talent loves to talk. Why am I reading articles about FTR making quotes and in interviews, not shitting on the company, but saying things like, Hey, Tony, just a reminder, we work for you. Book us, brother. Like, why is, like, why is Sammy constantly having heat with people and the other people are getting disciplined and suspended and Sammy seems, for all intents and purposes, to be getting the Shawn Michaels 97 treatment. But last I checked in 97, Shawn was the world champion pushing gates. Sammy is very gifted in the ring. Don't get me wrong. But I've been to countless AEW shows, and not one motherfucker in them shows came to the show because of Sammy. Not even the Houston show, and he's from here. Like, no, like, and that's not to say he's not good, because you're right. He's incredibly gifted in the ring. Very good at what he does. But nobody is coming to the show to see him. And yet he seems to have this untouchableness to him. That doesn't make any sense. And this is happening just a month or so after they already had the big brawl out that they're still dealing with the repercussions of because four of their biggest stars are still suspended from that shit. Yeah. Andrade yep. was supposed to have a mask versus career match with 10 on Which Rampage. Which came, came out of nowhere, by the way. Like, no build to well, everything comes out of but everything comes out of nowhere coming out of the glass house because of another thing that we really need to talk about. There is no forward thinking. 
There is yeah. no long-term plan. And there's no better example of that than the story you hit me up with earlier this week. Oh, the, yeah, okay. Um, I want to say one more thing real fast, and we'll get to that, because I want you to have your... You had... When you when I when I hit you with that story, you had some great insight, and I want you to expound upon that as as long as you want. But I want to talk about one more thing while we're on the subject because we're gonna move on and be done with this. I am not the biggest fan of the worked shoot style of angles in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. They can be really good, and there is a place for them. Completely agree, but the idea of which. The number of work shoots happen in AEW, and you can't tell if they're be, if they started off a work and became a shoot, started off a shoot and became a work. If if they if they were a shoot the whole time and they're and people are trying to make it a work to save face, but every week you're hearing somebody got beef backstage or somebody's dissing Tony or somebody at the MJF situation, the FTR situation, Sammy and Eddie, Sammy and uh, Andrade, the All Out Scrum. Keith Lee and Swerve and the acclaim. So much. Everything happened with Thunder Rosa. It is maddening. Can we just get good stories? And well, because, uh, but that all ties into, but that all ties into this other problem. That all ties into that lack of long-term thinking. It all ties into the lack of impulse control. It all ties into the fact that this has become a company that basically runs on the buzz created by debuts and returns. And when that is the only thing that like your company seems to like live for is big, like big gimmick shows and then debuts and returns that that's it. And when those aren't happening and there is no actual long-term story in place, then what you've got is all of the dirt and all of the shade. And all of the tea gets spilled from everywhere. So let's get let's get to the thing you alluded to. Um, so, by the way, it's, it, you know when Alvarez and Meltzer are like, I don't want to say turning on you, but like turning on you, you know you're fucking up. Um, well, it's it's uh, we finally have an answer to how long the honeymoon phase could be. Three years, yeah. Good point. Great. That's actually another. That's a great point. You got another great point coming later on in the show. I'm setting that up. Um, but so, as we all know, Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor, and uh, by the way, Chris Jericho is your new Ring of Honor champion. He beat Claudio a couple weeks ago at a Grand Slam. So yada yada yada, Bing Bang Boom. Well, Brian Alvarez noted in uh, Observer, the Wrestling Observer Live earlier uh, this week or last week rather. That apparently Tony Khan had no plans for buying Ring of Honor. The only reason he bought it was because WWE and other parties were interested in buying it. And so he was like, I need it first. And when you sent me that, I was just like, we need to talk about this because this is exhibit a million of the the Achilles heel of this company. And you might think I'm going to say TK, but it's not TK himself. It's impulse control. Mm. This is a company with no impulse control. It reminds me of all of the worst habits 
of mid-2000s TNA. Yeah. Every WWE name that was even mildly big that got released gets signed and scooped up, and they build this big buzz about a new star debuting, or like they take to the dirt sheets and fill the rumors out that so-and-so is going to debut on this show. And it's going to be one of those big dynamites, which is another thing with this impulse control argument. I'll, I'll get to in a second. Um, there is no like thought that goes into, do we have a plan for this wrestler? Do we have something for them to do? And often they do have something for them to do for like, Three weeks, a month, maybe two, and then a sh- another shiny new toy appears out of the cupboard, and they toss this one to the side and start pushing the new shiny new thing. We, we've seen it time and time and time again. Ruby Soho is probably the greatest example of that shit she debuts like a house of cards and she gets the like ruby soho like actual song as her entrance theme and has the crowd chanting her name and all this shit and they don't capitalize which of course they don't because you know tony khan hates women um, <laughs> by the way the greatest example is adam cole because like literally literally tip five minutes later brian daniels debuted right after he debuted so that would probably be the best example maybe not no, you're right oldest getting pushed but like you know he couldn't you can't wait a day well but you're right but like so and the problem is that a lack of impulse control long term hurts the company it hurts your business model because now you've created a business model that like i said before is pretty much predicated entirely on debuts or big returns or these special dynamites, which is another thing. Every like three or four weeks, they're doing some big special dynamite episode that's got this super booked card. And I'm like, if you do them every three or four weeks, they're not special anymore. It's no longer a big deal. It's lost its luster. Um, The constant title tournaments and the constant interim champions but then like that shit goes nowhere everything is so directionless you can tell that he is booking from night to night and moment to moment but it's okay because to him this is all just one giant fucking playground buying ring of honor is the best example of that or or even better every fucking show tony starts every aew show he comes out coked out of his fucking gourd, screaming about how this is the biggest show in the history of ever, and oh, we got a great one for you tonight, guys, and let me tell you, how would you feel about starting with CM Punk? (laughs) But really, we're starting with Tony, and then we're going to get a Tony segment somewhere in the show. And then after the show, Tony's going to come out and lead the press conference. And it's Tony and Tony. And all of this AEW news that we read isn't actually about the talent half the time. It's some dumb shit that Tony said. Tony, 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 Tony. Because Tony's got fucking main character syndrome. (laughs) There it is. There it is. Tony thinks he is the show. And that everything about the show is Tony. You know, 
Vince used to be all over the product, too. Vince used to think he was the main character, but at least Vince booked himself as the actual main character with storylines that required him to get his ass kicked from time to time and required him to, like, actually give promos instead of just standing there doing the cocaine. He did the cocaine behind the curtain. (laughs) Like, Vince was fucking commentating. When he wanted everybody to hear his voice all the damn time. He was contributing to the product. All Tony's contributing is to his goddamn ego. Because this is his vanity project. It's not all elite wrestling. He let them keep the name, but it's just really Tony Khan's playhouse. Like you say Ring of Honor champion and Chris Jericho's the Ring of Honor champion. Ring of Honor doesn't actually exist anymore. Ring of Honor is a toy within the AEW universe that's, like, referenced when it's convenient for them. They say that it's going to tour again or whatever, but you made Chris Jericho the Ring of Honor champion. I don't believe that Chris Jericho's touring with anything that's not named Fozzie. So are you saying that is that, that Ring of Honor is their version of WWE ECW? Their Ring of Honor is their version of 205 Live. God damn. Okay. Um, my God, what a fucking rant, by the way. Ooh. It's, but it's, it comes from a position of, again, this is a company that has so many good talent. And we're, I hate that I feel like I'm watching them hit the Titanic. Not in the sense that the company's going to go out of business tomorrow or anything like that. That's not what I mean. But this feels so much like TNA had this period where they grew and became more and more relevant. And then Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan showed up and said, let's move the show to Monday night and compete directly with WWE. And then it fell off a cliff. Yeah. This feels like. So here was this company that started for all the right reasons, regardless of the duplicity, regardless of all of the double talk from the Rhodeses and all of the bullshit, it genuinely did start for the right reasons. And its existence is a really good thing mm-hmm. for the business. It is so good for professional wrestling that there are two companies with uh, cable televised shows that pull strong ratings for their night. Yep. Like, that is so great for the industry. It's so great for the performers because it means so many more people are going to be able to, like, make an actual living off of the business. Like, and that's so wonderful. But I'm watching and I'm just like, Tony's going to fuck up and he's going to do what WCW did. And he's going to watch Chris Jericho debut on Monday Night Raw in the middle of a rock promo. And it's like, fuck, that should have been my world champion. Tony's going to fuck around and he's going to watch MJF cost Roman Reigns the WWE championship and that become a money feud. And it's like, see, Tony, you went and pissed this dude off. Now he's the face of your competition for the next 10 years. You you know, it's, it's important to note, you know, it is human nature for us to believe so much of history has happened and well, clearly, clearly history is the past. You're a history teacher. But we don't think about it in real time. 
So while history is happening live, we think it's taking forever when really it's that's how it works. What I mean is we look back on the, the demise of some of these companies and we think it was quick. But WCW died a slow death. It, did, it, it didn't die immediately. Two years. It, it was died. two. It was like two years yes. from the finger poke of doom to Shane McMahon on WCW Nitro. I'm glad you said that the finger poke of doom was the was the linchpin of of the beginning of the end. And, and you might even be able to go a little bit further. The real beginning of the end was that pay per view they did where it was DDP versus Goldberg. I think oh, was Halloween the main Havoc. event when they, did Havoc, Havoc. when they did Havoc. When they did Havoc and they Ultimate lost their time Ultimate Warrior and Hogan went too long, and the whole entire Goldberg DDP match was cut off, and they had to air it for free on on Nitro the next night. Yes, that was like the first sign that oh no, this shit has gone off the rails. Then you started to have the slow defections, and the defections weren't because WCW was hemorrhaging money. The defections at that time were people like Jericho and the Radicals, Voldemort, yeah. and all of the and Eddie like. These were people who were still very, very good and very, very much in their prime and very able to work a crowd, but they were just like, there's a glass ceiling that I can't get through it's in this even, company. It was even so bad that they, they gave Voldemort the world title on his last night and he walked out anyway. Yeah, because he was just like, why would I take this belt for you to just give it to fucking NWO 2007? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the reason I bring up the history thing and how long it takes is nobody in their right mind is guessing or projecting or proclaiming that AEW is about to go out of business or die. But you can see the turn happening to where the, the, the idea behind the company, the positives of the company and the goodwill of the company is changing in real time. Well, and they're see. and they're getting they're 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 heading down a bad path where as you alluded earlier well, they might lose talent fan bases and so well, on. Let's so point, well, and let's point out some of these parallels. Like let's point out some of these parallels. So the death of WCW and the moments that led us to just like, well, we can't take impact seriously involved a lot of older people who had been released from other promotions mm-hmm. being brought in and pushed over the homegrown talent. CM Punk and Brian Danielson and, you know, not Mox, because Mox has been there, I guess, long enough. But, like, Punk and Danielson running roughshod over the entire fucking roster, Legends or Not, is, like, taking TV time away from other people. You can... I don't count Mox because Mox is still in the middle of his original run. He's not a legend in terms of like 40, 50 or older. But you could argue Jericho. And while Jericho has been such a great um, p- member of their roster for many reasons, he's still involved in the one in the second biggest story of the company. Well, and I feel like you can tell... You can almost tell the moment when Tony took complete control over creative... In the sense that, like, 
It was very much trending after Jericho lost the world title the first time. It was very much trending in a like he's doing more commentary than he's actually wrestling. He's doing tag matches. He's hey, comedy matches. The doing comedy matches. Match. He's going on tour with the band. Like it was very much trending in a he's not really the focal point guy anymore. They broke up the inner circle. Everybody had gone their separate ways. And then it's like, oh, well, we need somebody to pop a rating and somebody that I trust. And I'm a, I'm a fucking money mark who grew up during the Attitude Era. So I love Chris Jericho. So, hey, Chris, how about you form a new stable? And how about you take over the television show again? The new stable being the old stable just replaced Proud and Powerful with, with 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Rename it the Jericho Appreciation Society. And by Everybody the way, wears purple and it moves. And shout out to Two Point because uh, Matt Danny Garcia is great. Magic. Well, Danny Garcia too, but I'm talking about Matt Menard, Daddy Magic, and Cohen Angelo Parker. They are gems. They they should have been treated better in WWE. They're gems. I just want to give them some love. But you're spot on. So like that's that's happening. Um, like you pointed out earlier, Meltzer and Alvarez are starting to turn. But I mean, the Meltzer turn was going to happen as soon as the shit went down with the Bucks and Kenny, and the Bucks and Kenny aren't happy no more. And so they told him he could take off the kitty gloves. And so now he gets to shit on AEW too. <laughs> and that's hilarious. And it's probably true. But but to their credit, and I don't give David Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, really any credit. But to their credit, they have been calling out bullshit before then. Like, I can't remember anything off the top of my head back then. But recently, Dave destroyed the Mass vs. Career match. He was like, how are you going to jump? By the way, Mass vs. Career match, which isn't going to happen because Andrade got kicked out. suspended. Yep. <laughs> That's what I mean. But how are you going to jump to that? And then the thing that bothered me about that match, besides the fact that that is like, one of five, like, like feud ender matches that we still have in professional wrestling. Yep. But on top of that, the fact that you're going to play on the idea that Andrade wants out, you're saying in interviews, whether it's real or not, that Andrade isn't a good person and needs to be gone. Tony said it himself. Look it up. And then you're going to play. You're, 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 again, using this work shoot of Andrade wanting to be an out by him putting his career on the line for no reason against the 10th member of Dark Order, Preston Vance is really good. Well, he's he, the 10th member. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's also, like, the only member left. Well, evil, evil, it's Evil Uno and his negative one. <laughs> it's about it. Yeah, like, I mean, so... Silver and Reynolds are going to be gone, by the way. They're going to break out and do their own thing outside of Dark Order. I'm sure of it. Because oh, they're because yeah. they're too good as a tag team, and clearly Tony doesn't care about the Dark Order. Well, uh, but so like the locker room is starting to have lots of tension. There are leaks everywhere. Like it's just not a good situation right now. And those are the kinds of things. The reason we say it's a long game here is those are the kinds of things that over time make talent who would have otherwise been like yes this is where i want to go if i have the choice to go somewhere like this is the company i want to go work for it makes them at least think about it longer 
these are the but, kinds of things that happen that make people go like, well, I mean, I want to work there, I think, but like a lot of shit seems to happen there. By the way, they they just signed uh, officially signed Bandito, so he officially signed with Ring of Honor, not Ring of Honor, with AW. So I don't know if he's gonna do AW, Ring of Honor, or both. But good luck to Bandito because Bandito's great. He's fantastic. But I mean, Andrade ain't getting no run. Andrade finally allowed Roosh to come because famously he told Roosh don't sign with WWE. He brings Roosh in to AW. Roosh gets pushed. Andrade still can't get pushed. Now Bandito's showing up, and I'm not trying to just bring all the Hispanic Luchador wrestlers together, but Tony is only pushing a certain amount of people. And let me change that statement. Not pushing. Tony is only using a certain amount of people. With all the shows you have, you have two companies you own, you have a network with five other companies, if we're being literal, and yet Andrade can't get on the television show? It's mind-boggling. Well, I mean, again, FTR, they can't get on the show. Like, they're literally, like, and when they do get on the show, they're not used as a tag team. Like, that's the other thing that doesn't make any fucking sense. And so it really comes back to something that we have said week after week and will probably continue to say into infinity until it fucking happens. This man needs to get a team. He needs people to do the actual fucking work. And he doesn't even have to go outside of the company to do that. He's got so many people there that know wrestling and know how to run a wrestling company. Like, let them do the job. So let me let me let me branch off on a tangent real fast because it's still relevant. Please to do, because I did. So, like, go. Yeah, because this it, it, it's sad to hear because, again, I know. I hope people believe us when we say this. I know most people that actually talk to us know this, but we care about AW. We're AW fans. We watch the shows. We go to the shows. We buy the shows. We have the merch. We care about the company. What do you think about this growing sentiment that now that Vince is gone and Triple H's booking is showing itself to be exactly what we thought it would be? Um, that there's a growing sentiment of of, of people on the roster of AW who either were in WWE. Or who are either possibly not interested in going to WWE that are making themselves known in, in the backstage of AEW. What do you think of that growing sentiment? Do you think that is an admonishment on Tony? Do you think that is an admonishment on Vince? Just curious, what are your thoughts on that? Two thoughts. Two thoughts. The first thought. Everybody always hate their current job. It <laughs> like... Whoever whoever my current employer is, fuck that dude. Yeah. Whoever my current boss is, I always hate because I'm currently putting up with their bullshit. Overworked and underpaid, everybody. Exactly. And in the case of leaving WWE for AEW, I left one coked out megalomaniac for another coked out megalomaniac. <laughs> so like point. so like same 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 so like my first thought is just that like yeah a lot of it is the rose-colored glasses of any other job always seems better than my current job especially a job that i used to have that there was anything about it that i liked 
because now I'm always comparing the things about that job that I liked to this job and the bullshit about it that I don't like and where they do and don't measure up. So, like, we all do that shit. Good point. Thought numero dos. WWE had a monopoly on a wrestling business for 20 years. And even before that, WWE was the bigger ticket in town for the better part, has been the ticket in town for the better part of 50 fucking years. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them kids grew up watching WrestleMania. And imagining being in WrestleMania or winning the Royal Rumble, Sami Zayn 2023, um, or whatever the case may be. And so WWE, for all of them, even the ones that have been released, is always that X that you're like, maybe it'll be different this time. (laughs) Yeah. WWE is always that X where you're just like, well, I mean... I know you did me wrong before, but you learned a lot. We grew. We lived and learned. (laughs) And so you just convince yourself, this time, it'll be the time. Because it's like, that's the other thing. Every single motherfucker that signs a wrestling contract with a company until they get to be a certain age signs that contract thinking, yeah, you're going to sign me for this role, but I'm going to be the world champion someday. Like, just give it a minute. I'm going to be your champ. I'm going to be your champ. Oh, Once facts. they get to be a certain age, they recognize what we all know, which is sometimes it's good to, as The Rock said, know your role. I know my role. I fit real well in my role. I'm good at it. It challenges me just enough and not at the li- and not at the same time. So, like, that's my thoughts. I think another relevant thing about it is you mentioned that every one of those guys grew up watching WWE and and wanted to go to WrestleMania. Adam Cole is a big major person that that's like his origin story, almost like Shawn Michaels and the boyhood dream. But another thing is all of them are also recently old enough to have been transfixed by black and gold NXT and seeing the booking style that, 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 that Hunter used, that Daddy Paul used, or Uncle Paul used, and um, how he intertwined using indie stories and indie wrestlers with the big money and the big platform of WWE and the the story structure of WWE and how it like it overshot what it expected to do from a critical standpoint. And now with him getting the book, like I I, I have sympathy for Andrade because a lot of people are are and he's one guy. But a lot of people are, are destroying him because he asked out of WWE and not asking out of AEW, and it looks flaky. But I don't think it's the same thing because he's not asking you to go back to Vince. Vince is gone, and he's asking to go back to a different WWE. So I well, think that plays one, a part in it too. Well, and the ones that I think have the most reason to want to leave are the women. Like, oh, facts. Gen- oh, facts. like genuinely, I, you know, I guested with PC on his show last week and I went on a little mini rant on his show when I talked about they asked me my thoughts on page signing with AEW. And I was like, it's hard to get excited about a legendary women's wrestler signing with a company that treats women as a bathroom break. Like, why would I get excited about her to be the hot new toy for two weeks and then discarded and forgotten? 
Like, I do not genuinely see an appeal if I was a woman wrestler. I do not see an appeal to sign with All Elite Wrestling. Because they have not shown an interest in pushing anyone whose names are not Britt Baker or Jade Cargill. And they will not even acknowledge Jade Cargill and Britt in the same space. Nope. They pretend they are two different things. Jade can't even crack dynamite. Put a hold on that. I want to take a break. And then I have two... um, Two more AIDS, lesser AEW topics that I think could be fun to talk about. Um, and then we'll finish with Extreme Rules. We've we've hit them with enough of this. Let's take a break. By the way, in case you didn't know, there's a nice website on the interwebs called ProWrestlingTees.com. Where they Forward have... slash Dutch Airshot. Yes, thank you. Where they, they have nice all types of merchandise and shirts and things of that nature that you could, uh, as my brother says... Put on and put on your body and feel good on your skins, especially soft style. Um, yeah, go go uh, purchase some of those fine accoutrements and uh, help your boys continue to do uh, some of this good content. Uh, we'll be right back. Thanks for helping us pay those bills, y'all. And again, if you do like the content we provide here on the Chairshot Radio Network, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the Chairshot and get you some of that sweet, sweet, sweet merch. I'm going to clip that. I want you to know that. That's I'm going fine. to clip that. Send it to Greg. <laughs> okay. So we've 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 talked again, this we've been really critical of AW tonight. And I these are two more critical stories, but they're so crazy that you just gotta laugh. Ooh, yeah, laughies. You want to talk Chris Jericho? Or you want to talk Sor- Soraya's debut? Which one you want to talk about? First? Ooh, let's start with Bon Jovi, and then we'll go to uh, uh, Soraya. So uh, I believe this was recently, but uh, Chris Jericho jumped on. It says AW podcast. It may be the AW unrestricted with uh, Tony and Audrey. Audrey. Yeah, but um, anyway, long story short, he's and this is a direct quote here. He was speaking about how he is the catalyst for the business end of AW, as he tends to take credit for. And I quote: "Keep in mind, no one, no one really knew Cody at that point." He'd been gone for years. The last time we'd seen him, he was Stardust. And when he left, and as much buzz as Kenny and Matt and Nick Jackson had, they were still mostly regional guys. They were worldwide stars. But when it comes to national TV in the States, they didn't have any experience with that. If I'm the bridge to get here, check me out, and then look at all these other guys that we have. Would the company have happened if I wasn't there? Probably, but I don't think it would have grown as quickly as it did or maybe gotten off to such a huge start. Your thoughts? My boy went on a podcast and said, I'm going to give you the gift of Jericho. Drink (laughs) it in, man. (laughs) Well done. Well done. Well done. Like, the, the latter half of that statement, it's true. A lot of people watched AEW to see Jericho and then stuck for them. But to say no one knew Cody Rhodes? People remember the legacy, my dude. <laughs> like, 
my brother, he had uh, he main evented shows versus DX in his first run. He fought Rey Mysterio. Like we remember the brown paper bag. The broken no. theme. The broken theme was my fave. Whoa! Like oh my god! And and to say Kenny and Matt and Nick were regional guys. Kenny was the number one wrestler in the world at one point. Kenny Kenny was so hot that that TV shows on sit like on national television were referencing the Kenny Omega ton of, uh, uh, um the Kenny Okada. Omega Okada matches. Blackish, they were the, the kids were fighting. And they're like, oh, we were just recreating the old Okada Omega match at Wrestle Kingdom on Blackish, bro, and the Jacksons. Look, I I love some I love some young Buck, Buck Slender as much as the next guy, but the entire reason they, they have a fan merch, base, man. they move that merch. The entire fan base, probably original fan base, came in some form or fashion from the Jacksons. The Jacksons managed to fucking move cease and desist shirts. They turned a cease and desist letter into shirts that sold like hotcakes. The Jacksons. But you know what that gets back to, though? In a national store. But you know what that gets back to, though? I said this after Brawl Out when, you know, Phil went on his rant and showed who his and showed who he truly was. These people don't respect the non-WWE people. They don't respect anyone who wasn't a main event mania guy or who wasn't the wwe champion for as much as they come out here and talk this shit about building up this company and blah 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 it's always that i gave them the gift of jericho vibe it's always that shit it's always because that's what punk was on at brawl out it's the i gave them the gift of punk they never moved a million dollar gate None of these people are relevant. Like, they, you know, to quote our tribal chief, standing on the island of relevancy, like, they don't respect their own company or their own coworkers, and they betray it with the bullshit that they say. And you can tell the difference between them and the ones that do because the ones that do don't talk that shit. Man. Danielson's not out here in these streets slandering the company Marcy. or the people who's in it. Moxley not out here talking shit about the EVPs, and he could talk mad shit about him. There's plenty of bullshit to say. We're here all day for Buck Slander. All facts. All facts. But this it, is not the hill to die on. You know, I, I gotta say, I it, that that thought had never hit me like it did just now, and that so many of these guys don't respect them because they didn't do it in the WWE. But that is so true. And it's wild. It's so that it, element it, 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 in their it's so evident in their words. Yeah. Like when you hear and it's you know, to use some advanced terminology, there's a lot of dog whistling going on mm-hmm. in those words. Like mm-hmm. they're not straight up saying the thing but what they're directly implying with a term like oh they're regional guys or never did a million dollar gate is you didn't main event wrestlemania i did you weren't the wwe champion i was 
you haven't stood in the ring with the undertaker and the thing is with the cody part especially jericho knows that's bullshit because legacy was literally the main event when that was a thing so cody has done all of that shit and did do all of that shit in fact when cody left people weren't even mad at it because everybody knew he was better than being stardust yeah all facts so in when fact it, so when he let the contract run out and just was like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to bet on myself. Everybody was just like, yeah, man, do it. And I've been on the record, and I dare anybody, anybody to, to tell me I'm wrong. Cody Rhodes had the greatest year in the history of independent wrestling. Oh, he so did. He so did. Not even close. He, my man, appeared in a, in, a, in a Wrestle Kingdom, a WrestleMania, a Bound for Glory, and a Final Battle in the same fucking year. Not to mention that he did every indie from America to England to Japan. He to seamlessly swooped in. He seamlessly swooped in and stole Adam Cole's role from the Bullet Club uh, dissension storyline. And like, the U.S. Bullet seamlessly. Club. Seamlessly. Swooped in the at the second Cole was gone for NXT, he was just like, "Oh, you need a new cocky American bro to sow dissension in the ranks and get between you and Kenny." And if the Bucks gave New Japan, if the Bucks gave Bullet Club their American fan base, because they did, you can't even question that. Cody gave uh, the Bullet Club clout mm-hmm. because. People said, if that guy could be, is in the Bullet Club, then we have to respect them. And not just respect them because they're cool and we like them, but like on a serious level. Um, okay, so that's the first part. We spoke a lot about former WWE champions. So let's speak about former multi-time WWE champion Soraya. Um, Paige here. <laughs> we'll never get it again, so I've got to reference it every time we hear her. She'll never let that down. And I love that she's a... She, she like she's a sport, good sport about that. Oh, she, she is. She's great. We love um, Soraya. Like, let that be said up front. We love Soraya. Yeah, because I'm about to roast shit out of her, but we do love her. I am very. Well, I mean, she should not take a bump. That's not okay. Well, we're not. We're not even get there yet because we'll get there. We'll we'll get to the duplicitousness of them not telling us if she's going to wrestle or not, and putting her in storylines where she's talking about fighting people, but something like that. We'll talk about that in a sec. I love Soraya. I think she's fantastic. I think she's one of the greatest women to ever grace our business, sport, whatever. But baby girl, practice your promos. That Soraya promo is the is the the shining star of an example of why writers are necessary in a wrestling company. Now, as many as WWE has, no, you don't need a writing division. You don't need forty people. But you gotta I have don't know. Some... They need however many people were in the writer's room when Braun Breaker doing Steiner math was brought up. Because, like, give <laughs> that writer a raise. That was probably just him and Sean, honestly. Probably. Give Sean more money. <laughs> the, quick tangent. They did a table for three uh, with Braun, Rick, and Scott. And the whole time Rick and Scott were giving Braun shit because basically it's like your gimmick is you just steal our shit. <laughs> hey, shit. they made millions of dollars off that shit. Why can't I? It, it, he's, he is the perfect he's mix of them two. He is the perfect mix of them two. But here's the real sweet spot that he is able to capitalize on. The Steiners went away. 
Like, Scott didn't go away in the sense that he went to Impact and did that bullshit for way too long. But, like, in terms of, like, big-name company relevancy... Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. went away. So this they, is new for a new generation. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, not even that. This is just the right age for nostalgia pops. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Like, this gotcha. is... He can take all their old shit because their old shit is just old enough now that it gets a nostalgia pop. Like, break out that dog face gremlin shit, break out that Steiner math, break out the, like, Steiner... The bulldog. Like, all that shit gives us that good, feel-good nostalgia pop. If this son of a bitch comes out with chain mail around his head, I will... Pops so fucking hard. Well, he always he already wearing the the early like paint spattered clothes they used to wear. So that may be next. I do. If you're up for it, I want to have a good retrospective on what they're doing with NXT next week. If you're up for it, sure. Um, but so yeah, the promo was bad, and again, she hadn't practiced it clearly. They didn't. She that they just told her go out and say what you wanted. Then there's the question of are you going to wrestle or are you not please are don't. you the head of the women's please don't yes are you the head of the women's division or are, do you just have clout and you're saying i am the revolution but what are you the revolution of because we don't know what the fuck you're doing there's it reminds too much me of maria bennett when she was the head of the knockouts division it, for a while there where it's like so wait are you a wrestler are you a valet yeah what are you? You're involved in storylines like you're going to be a wrestler, but like you're not going to actually have matches because you have minions for that. So, like, what's going on here? I, I, I wondered when she signed. I was happy that she signed because she's too talented to not be involved. She's wonderful and she deserves a paycheck. Like we 100%. say every week, take all these shitty billionaires' money. 1,000%. But I wondered why did she get signed? Because as we spoke Girl, about... Girl, you know why she got signed. Well, what did you I'm say a minute there. ago? I'm getting there. Exactly. You took it out of my mouth. We talked ad nauseum earlier that just because she got w- the WWE brand on her, she's worth... We gotta get her. And the fact that she's a big name and normally she's a decent talker, I thought she'd be an asset. But Everything I saw last week showed me that she is not going to be an asset to this company. And I hate to say that. I hate it. But she's not helping. Um, I instantly cared less about Tony Storm versus Serena Deeb. I was hyped for that match going in. The thing is, the women don't get enough time, as it is, yeah. on these shows in this company for you to be signing somebody who you're not going to use in the ring, if you're not going to use them in the ring. Which, again, please don't. Please don't. I understand if you want to, and you're an adult, and you're going to make your own choices, but dear God, please don't. I I wish you've made enough money. You've been given such a great gift of your health, your status, your money. Enjoy it. Yeah, like, for real, though. Um, But again, you know, make whatever choice you need to make. However, that being said... Um, the women don't get enough time in this company as it is for you to just be, like, out here giving time up to somebody you're not going to use. 
Yep. Uh, I'll figurehead at that. Um, and th- so now one more thing and we'll, we'll take one more break and we'll go to extreme rules. I want to take just a little time out of our day, a little time out of our show to not only give deference to the bloodline, by the way, shout out to the fact that Hiko Leo, Hiko Leo left the bullet club and joined back with his brothers. Good on him. But I also want to give some love to the head of my table, the head of your table, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, the bloodline, and the honorary Oos and the best wrestler in the world right now, Sami Zayn. Can we give Sami mm. Zayn some love? Mm. Oh, we love Sami. Oh, we love Sami. Um, so Rance and I disagree on <laughs> some long-term <laughs> prediction. I'm going to put this out into the ether in the Do hopes it. that, you know, I can speak it and manifest it into existence. Sami Zayn will win the Royal Rumble. Sami Zayn will win the Royal Rumble. Sami Zayn will get kicked out of the bloodline because he wins the Royal Rumble. And to your credit, there is a growing sentiment that that's a possibility. So I don't think it was the original plan. Like, no, I will go ahead and say, it wasn't. no, I, I will go ahead and say, like, I genuinely think that the plan most probably was to do all of the things that you've been suggesting, building up to the inevitable blowout with Jay. And obviously we choose family over you and all of that shit. And he turns face and blah, blah, blah. But it's so gold and it's so hot and it's so easy to pivot into that. I just think it makes the most sense because we are always talking about, you know, for us anyway, Tell me the best story. And what better fucking story than the honorary Oos is there going right now, number one. But then number two, what better fucking way to end the story of the honorary Oos than to have him win the Royal Rumble and then be thrown out of the bloodline because how dare he step to the island of relevancy? Do you want to know what better story there is, my, my brother? Hmm. Let me tell you a better story. Okay, so tell me a better story. I do believe, as we've seen, Sammy has everybody believing in him in the bloodline except for Jay. And I feel like clearly going into, we have a big match with Roman at Crown Jewel, him versus Logan Paul. What do you think is a big match in the ring? It's a big match in marketing. Um, and right after that, we have uh, Survivor Series War Games. And very clearly the bloodline will be in a War Games match. It's tailor-made for them, right? Somewhere between there and the Royal Rumble, I believe Sammy will win over Jay. And and Jay will become a believer in Sammy. And there will be harmony in the bloodline. And Roman, who lives to gaslight Jay, will tell Jay, hey, he's overstayed his welcome. We got to get rid of him. And, of course, Jay, who stays stressed out because of Roman, is going to have to fight the urge to stick up for Roman, stick up for Sammy, or handle business. And of course, the bloodline does their job, and Sammy gets excommunicated and gets saved by who other than the only person that's ever believed in him from the very beginning, Kevin Owens. Which leads to Sammy and Kevin Owens joining back together. The, the greatest story in the history of professional wrestling between two people continues. And leads to WrestleMania, 
where we have Sammy and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. Sammy and Kevin beat the Usos after 400 days and win, if I'm correct, you're a Ring of Honor old school fan, correct me if I'm wrong, their first ever tag team championships together. Um, I would have to go look at the the numbers to know. I don't that think they've ever sure won a tag team of my head. However, to go a little Vince McMahon on you. Um, did you just try to sell me a tag team match over a single story? Boy, bye. <laughs> and the other tag team match, I would be with you. But Sammy versus Kevin Owens is is a. Let me t- let me tell you this. Oh, Sammy versus- I mean, Sammy and like Sammy and Kevin together is always great. Don't get me but, wrong. I'm not me, trying to hate on it. Let me put it like this though. Sammy and Kevin is so good as a story that Vince literally took every ounce of it from the indies the second they started there. Like Vince doesn't use anything outside of WWE, and he used every ounce of their history well, I mean, from the moment fair, they started. Well, I mean, to be fair, um, that was a lot of, you know, Uncle age. I'm talking about the main roster. But uh, anyway, I said what I said, and I stick by it. Well, okay, so let's do this. Outside At, at Outsiders Edge CS, at Dr. S'mores, at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y-C-A-S-H. You tell us what you agree with. Do you think that Sammy's going to win the Royal Rumble and face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Or do you think that it's more likely that Samuel will and Kevin Owens will get back together and face the Usos for the tag titles? You tell me what you think is going to happen. Tell us. And while we're while you're thinking about that and tweeting us, we're going to take one more break. We'll come back. And then uh, we actually got an extreme, extreme rules for us. Isn't that nice? I mean, there's a lot of gimmicks. That's the name of the show. We'll be right back. Thanks for helping us make the boss man proud and get two ad breaks on the show, y'all. <laughs> synergy. Corporate synergy. <laughs> um, but there is a premiere live event this oh, weekend. Shit, that's right. It's not a there is a premiere live event on the Peacock app. I just got a week. message. I just got a text message from Nick Khan saying, you know better. My bad. Um, well, and the thing is, Nick Khan can send whatever message he wants until he gets a better interface for that Peacock app. I don't want to hear shit. <laughs> very fair. Very fair. Like, you had your own network. Figure out how to fucking get them an app that works well. So, um, I do I do want to say this. I know you mentioned that it's a lot of gimmicks. And it is. It may be a little overkill. But I, for once, am happy that we have an Extreme Rules card that actually has extreme gimmicks. Like, a triple threat match is not a technical extreme gimmick. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. No, like, that's fair. Uh, It does actually live up to the moniker. You know, I have been on record as saying it's one of the shows that I'm just like, can we retire this one from the rotation for a few years? Like, I'm past the point of saying, you know, we're going to get rid of these shows because I know we're not. But, like, can we cycle some of them out? 
and cycle in it does well it doesn't even have to be new shows like nxt has started recycling the old wcw names for shit like go that route but like give me give me something fresh something new well extreme rules just put a coat of paint on it they did put i mean they did put a fresh coat of paint on it so like let's talk about that new coat okay um as always, championship matches last. Yes. Um, and just six matches listed on the card. As we saw with Clash of the Castle, they're probably just going to stick with six matches. So, let's start yeah, off with... Yeah, Uncle H has a formula. He he is one, if not consistent. Um, so, let's start with um, probably the least important match in the card, but probably the most fun. The Brawly Brutes versus Imperium. And a six-man tag, good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. And before you start, Samantha Irvin, the ring announcer for SmackDown and Ricochet's girlfriend, I want to give her all the credit in the world. The way she announces Imperium, she announces Kaiser in a German accent. She announces Vinci in an Italian accent. She announces Gunther in an Austrian accent. And she said Imperium. In an Austrian accent. It is glorious to hear. It's so good. But, oh, yeah. she is excellent at what she does. I mean, and so is the Imperium. And long live the Imperium. Um, I mean, the real winner is us. Uh, I oh, really yes. hope that... I really hope that the feud is over, though. The thing like, is, well, so, I, I'm sorry. Tonight, as the show comes out, Friday, Gunther and Sheamus are having an IC title match, for the record. The day yeah, before just, the pay-per-view. Yeah, I just really hope the feud is over. Like, I, it, it's fun for what it is. The matches deliver. The teams obviously have great chemistry. But I think it's time for everybody to move on to something next, like something else. So what would you want to see if, let's assume Gunther wins and moves on as IC champ. What do you want to see him move on to? I mean... I'm not really sure because, like, this is part of the enduring problem of, like, the tribal chief being only around some of the time. Like, the people that would probably be natural next step progression are not, like, available. They're doing other things. Um, I'm not really sure who I would throw at Gunter. How do you feel about a a Gunter Madcap Mossfield? I mean, Madcap came to my mind. Um, I'd be interested in seeing the feud. I still don't know how serious, like how seriously to take Madcap. So he's really good in the ring because if you don't know, Riddick Moss or Steve Rallis was a former football player. So clearly he's talented and he goes hard in the ring. Just got to figure out what the fuck the character is. Like we knew who he was with Corbin, but now that he's gone, he's just intense. And that's not not a character make. So I think it could be good for him to face a Gunter because like I don't think you can feud with him or Imperium as a whole without like getting better and improving. Like Agreed. it's just like that good. Um as far as like but for me it's less about what I want to see Gunter do because Gunter's a champion. So like realistically there's always a challenger to be made for a champion. Like that's 
part of being a dominant champion. Um, and on SmackDown, he is the dominant champion. For me, it's more like I'm ready, especially now that they've brought um, What's-His-Face up as well. I'm, to, yeah, I'm ready for him and Kaiser to, like, enter the tag division and, like, start fucking people up. And can we uh, add Ludwig Kaiser to one of the best talkers in the in the company? I fucking love Ludwig Kaiser. God, I love Ludwig Kaiser. There's He's so one, great. There's one thing he does better, and I'm, I mean this, better than any other professional wrestler speaking to this day. Annunciation. The way mm-hmm. he enunciates his words is you could you could teach a class on it. Okay. Well, that's but that's the German discipline. Like well, Germans are very much like it's all about discipline and like I, I think it's also for them like English is not their first language. Yeah. And they are like both of them have I mean they've been stateside obviously before, but like they've mostly been stationed in Europe until the last like year or so. And so, you know, that breeds a certain level of, like, I have to practice this. I have to be very precise with this. I have to, like, get this right. So, but, yeah, I love fucking Ludwig Kaiser. As we've learned with Shinsuke, regular speaking English is different than promo English. Shinsuke has always spoken regular conversational English. But when he speaks on camera, it comes off as he doesn't really sound confident in his words because it's a big difference between the two. Word on um, the street is he's due for a push. Well, we we had the mini Shinsuke Gunther uh, feud, which was fun. But yeah, Shinsuke's due. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Shinsuke go back to Raw and run rough shot over there for a bit because he's definitely due. Shinsuke, mark my words, Shinsuke will win a world championship before he retires in WWE. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Especially now that Daddy Paul's in charge. Speaking of another man that's due for a world championship sometime soon, we have Finn Balor versus the returning for the 25th time, Edge, um, in an I Quit match. Now, the funny thing to me about this match, this definitely needs to be the last of this, number one. But we all knew Edge and Finn were going to have to have the match eventually because Finn is basically the leader the top guy in the company, Edge, and those two wanted to work with each other from day one. But why didn't he want Matt Dominic? Wouldn't he want the match with Dominic? Not fair. Uh, you'd have thought he would want the match with Dominic, but I guess they just pretending that that's something else. You know, Dominic's too busy being like Eddie in China. Like She's his poppy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's more like Triple H in China than Eddie in China, honestly. Oh, the Dom sub, pun intended, situation? That and, like, the, you know, Dominic is more the strong, silent type. Um, mm-hmm. but, but anyway. And one more uh, thing real fast, that you'll love this. I appreciate the terminology, the playful terminology with it, letting Rhea call herself Poppy, you know, stuff like that. Like, progressive WWE. Yeah, good for them. Um, But uh, I'm just really, I can't take Judgment Day seriously. They lose, it's it's reached Wyatt family. 
they lose every hmm. match. They do all this shit and they make all this chaos and they talk all this game and the promos deliver and sure it sounds good and then it's time for the actual big match and they fucking lose and so like you say Finn's due for a title run and like yeah Finn's great don't get me wrong but I'm just like due for what? Finn loses every major match but isn't Finn as Teflon as it gets, because he does, and every next match we still expect him to be, or look at him as top guy. Finn so, is as yeah, Teflon so as was Kane, like so was Kane in the early two thousands, and we didn't give him a pity world title run until he was ready to retire. Yeah, but Kane's character was dependent, and he he did such a great job of making it his own thing, but it was always dependent on the other character. Finn isn't depending on any other character. You know what I'm saying? He's, does that make sense? Yeah, you're right. He's not depending on any other character, and like he manages to stay, you know, relevant. But I think there's a difference between him managing to stay relevant and him like being in a world in any position to be in a world title picture. Because again, to go back to my earlier reference, Wyatt Family Bray Wyatt stayed fucking relevant. But anytime it got near a world title, it all fell to shit. So, like, maybe yeah. we should keep it away from that and let it stay relevant and be good at what it is. Bray is one of the, the top five most unique characters ever. And I don't just mean in the ring. I mean the construction of the character, the work of Wonder Rotunda, the dichotomy between the writers, Vince, and him. There's just a uniqueness about that character that you'll never see again. You know who's due for a title run? I'm not saying it's got to be a world title run, but a run with a title? Ooh. Corbin. It's been time. Well, you so apparently he's going to be working with JBL, which is going to do wonders for his hill run. Well, I mean, yeah, probably, yes. But, um, no, like, if anybody's due for a run with a title, it's Corbin. Like, I even if it's one of the mid-card titles, like, this man has been a staple of your product for, like, Seven years. And wherever you put him, he does work. Yeah. And yeah, makes you know, it right. work. Yeah, you're right. Main event, top of the card, bottom of the card, first match, last match, spot on. No, so, but more to my point, uh, Finn needs to win this match, but he's not gonna. No, I disagree. Finn wins. I mean, I hope so. He needs to. By the way, we didn't pick the winner of... Well, we did. I guess we did. Both, yeah, we both, both picked Imperium. Imperium. You're right. Okay. I think Finn wins this match, number one, because he has to. Number two, because Edge is one of those wrestlers. Vince could tell Edge no, and Edge can't say shit. While I think Edge and Triple H, who actually get along now, they, there was a time back in the day. They're good friends now. But Edge, his entirety wanted to come back was putting over younger talent. And to do that, you have to win some matches to continue to to have your your level stay high and still be relevant. But this is a match he knows. Put the kids over. I think I think Finn Balor win this match. I'll be shocked if Edge wins. I mean, I hope so. I genuinely do because he fucking needs the win. And remember, it's an I quit match. So what if Rhea goes and grabs Beth, and they? Get ready to pilmanize Beth, and he has to quit. By the oh, way, that may be the way they they may be the way they win. That I mean, that's a good way to go with it. Um. Okay. So speaking of bringing in 
a valet or a woman into the story. And Beth is by no means a valet. But we got Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in the strap match. Now, I like strap matches because they tend to make themselves more interesting than the gimmick would would lead you to believe. I don't understand why there's a strap match here. Is it only because Karrion Cross stays in the shadows and Drew wants to stay close to him? Is that the story for a strap? I couldn't fucking tell you. Okay. I will say this. Uh, speaking of people needing to win, um, Cross has to win here, right? Like Drew is Teflon too. Drew can lose the next 20 matches. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like Drew doesn't need it at all. Yeah. Drew's a made man. Yeah. He can handle a loss, but like Cross needs to win here. Be- and I and I say that because like the first run was a failure. Yes. And the whole point of coming back is, you know, Daddy H is in charge now. Doing it, it the right way. Like it was before. Exactly. It won't be like it was before. You can have your wife. You can have your old gimmick. You can do all your things. All right. Well, then the way that we prove that this is going to be not like it was the last time and that we're going to do better this time is we win this match. So let's do a survey, Kyle. Let's do a quick survey with you. You're the survey. I'm Scott Hall right now. Okay. Um, You were a big detractor of Cross before. Uh Uh-huh. You didn't think see much in him. You didn't think he was that big of a deal. You thought he was overrated and all the different things you thought, which had merit at the time I'd give you credit for. From his return to now, do you think that it's working? I mean, I think that they're using him in ways that are more interesting. Um, also, I like the look better with hair. Well, he's a handsome dude, so yeah, I agree with that. Well, the like, reason he the reason the he shaved it off was because he wanted the more gross. serial killer esque look, right? But yeah, yeah he, he's a good looking dude. Yeah, so no, I like the look a lot better with hair. Um. And they are using him in a way that is more interesting and more intriguing. But I just definitely feel like if he loses this match, it is a signal to me that we are going to see same same. Okay. And I I think that's a very fair assessment. With that being said, I was going to go across anyway. Is that where you're going? Yeah. I'm going to pick cross to win because I just think, I think, Hunter is smart enough to realize that. So I'll say this. I'm going to jump out the window. Catch me, please. But I'm jumping out the fucking window when I say this. And on a show with amazing gimmicks, long-term stories and and, and angles, and great uh, performers, I think of all the great possible visuals we'll get, I am seeing in my face, in my mind, a visual of a of a of a brawling, possibly even bloody. I don't care about blood, but maybe um, uh, just a brawl that went crazy. And I can see Drew McIntyre being choked out in the cross jacket with the strap around his neck and like cross his eyes popping out of his head. And I can see that being the enduring visual of this show. And then it turning in and turning gray. As the match ends, because you know he got the the spooky power to turn the screen gray. All right, then. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I know. 
I've been I've been a cross believer since White Rabbit Cross. By the way, White Rabbit, wink. Um, there's your QR code for for y'all. Um, I mean, y'all know it's Bray Wyatt. Don't like, don't be dumb, y'all. Y'all know it's Bray Wyatt. Yeah, one hundred percent. But for the, but literally, Cross was the White Rabbit in Lucha Underground. Yeah. So, you know, um, but no, I've liked that dude ever since then. And shout out to the to the homie and friend of the show, OG of the show, Caleb Baldwin. My boy put him put me on him when he was working the Indies in Backwoods, Oklahoma. Oh yeah, so like, Caleb was a big supporter, especially of his Impact run. Yep. So I, I've I've believed in him since then. But okay, three main matches that I think we all care about. I I've, I'm assuming for you, but I'm pretty comfortable. Let's go with the last non-title match, the fight pit between Matt Riddle and Seth freaking Rollins. With UFC legend, possibly the greatest of all time, Daniel Cormier, as the uh, referee. I love that. This is the feud that never ends. Well, it's going it to just tonight, goes but... on and on, my friends. Like, uh, yeah, no, this feud also just needs to be done. Seth uh, is the, Seth is, is the connective tissue of Raw, because my boy beef with everybody. God damn. Well, he's got to because I'ma say it every week. Raw ain't got no world champion. <laughs> Fair enough. The island of relevancy is exclusive to Friday nights when it shows up at all. Good point. Good point. Great point. Go ahead though. Yeah. What what, what are you thinking here, man? Well, are you so, are you into this? So no riddle. You're kind of eh. Depends I, on the situation. Fuck Matt Riddle. I don't give a shit about Matt Riddle. But like um. I think Matt Riddle probably needs the win here to end the feud because, you know, Rollins has kicked his ass uh, pretty much the entire fucking time. And so if they're going to, if the Triple H regime is going to push Matt Riddle, um, then Riddle needs to win tonight or uh, uh, he needs to win at Extreme Rules. Um, And like, Build back some um, momentum. They booked perfectly a one fantastic out on Monday. Seth interrupted, or well, not interrupted, but basically jumped in and the Mustafa Ali Bobby Lashley match and stomped Lashley, leading to another rematch Monday for the U.S. title. Bobby Lashley is also a cage fighter. I can see Bobby Lashley making himself known in that fight pit. And I also can see Cormier getting physical. Because number one, you got Daniel Cormier. What else is he going to do? And two, DC is as big a wrestling fan that exists. And I yeah, think he may want to... Didn't him and Lashley do shit together in Impact? No, DC's never worked wrestling. No, that's a lot of other guys. Um... That's American Top Team did, but it wasn't DC. Um, uh, Lambert, the guy who was in AEW, his people, his group, yeah. No, DC's never done anything on screen in in wrestling except for be a fan of it. Um, but you want a marquee match at WrestleMania for uh, for Brock Lesnar? Give DC. Five months to get in shape and and bump for a bit and get used ready for it. Can't get much bigger than that if you're talking about mainstream. DC is one of the biggest draws in MMA history. 
And I that's, will take your word for it. And that's one of the fights Brock never got that Brock wanted. I'm not an MMA guy, so I will take your word for it. Okay. Uh, who you got in the match? Um, got I'm going to go with Riddle. I'm going to go with Riddle because I think he needs the win here. I'm going to go Riddle too, although I, I, I think Seth wins, but I see Bobby Lashley making himself known. So we'll go Riddle. Um, yeah, but the, but again, this this is a feud ending pay per view. All I think all these feuds, ex- with the exception of Bianca and Bailey, I think all these feuds end. Um, so I'll give you the option. We have two main events: SmackDown Women's, Raw Women's. Which one are you going? Which one are you want to do first? Um, let's do the SmackDown Women first, and then we'll do the Raw Women because I feel like that story's got more layers. Yeah, that's fair. Although I want to give credit to Liv and Ronda who are fighting. Oh, they've the told team. a good story. I'm not hating on their story. I just yeah. think the raw story has more layers. No, absolutely. And to be um, honest, like no disrespect to Ronda. Ronda is objectively of all of the of the four women. Ronda is objectively the biggest name in terms of mainstream. Yeah. But like, if we're talking the biggest names in the WWE, for me. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Bianca and Bailey's collective power They're overpowers Ronda's singular power, and love you, live, but you're new to the table. So like, so let me let me touch on that real fast. Let me give my opinion on this, and I jump to you real fast with Liv and Ronda. I spoke about this maybe a couple months ago on the show that I love Liv, and Liv is a fantastic talent, but Liv has one major problem. We don't know who she is as a character in and out of the ring. Scrappy cannot be the only thing of your character. Pete Dunne, a.k.a. Butch, is a perfect example of what Scrappy can be if you expound upon it. The Butch's scrappiness isn't just that he's small and scrappy. It's that he's rabid and you can't control him, right? And that has grown to make him, his character, unique. I love the idea of Liv challenging uh, Ronda. I love the idea of Liv showing that she's fearless and wanting to prove herself. But if I were to ask you to explain who Liv, not even just character-wise, in the ring, we know she doesn't have a character yet. She, well, she has, she know, we know there's character lacking. But in the ring, if I were to ask you to tell me in five words or less, what is Liv like in the ring? What would you say? Um... See my point? Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you if you would ask me about that about Bianca, strong as hell, wrestler. powerhouse, powerhouse showboat. If you would ask me about about Bailey, technical. technically proficient and and a leader in the ring. If you ask me ask me about Ronda, submission specialist and and um not a powerhouse but um house of fire. You know, nothing would live. But but I'll say this though. To, you know, I agree she needs to have an identity as a performer, but Alexa Bliss has had like nine world title reigns and she has no identity as a wrestler. She's but got a Alexa, lot of identity as a character, though. Boom! Alexa has a character and can talk. Liv don't got either one of those either. That's true. Liv, That's the, true. Liv has the one thing that every wrestler wish they had, which is a, is a relationship with the fans. But the other stuff, she's still got to grow. And you can only take that relationship with the fans so far. 
Oh, yeah, because the fans will eventually... You know who's got a great relationship with the fans? Dolph Ziggler. But you know who <laughs> do, You know who the fans ain't taking seriously anytime soon? Dolph, Dolph Ziggler. motherfucking Ziggler. All facts. All facts. Shit, Natalia's got a good relationship with the fans. She's been employed by the company for over a decade. We don't want to see her anywhere near a title. Hey, man. Hey, man, you're preaching to the choir. Go ahead. Give me your thoughts. What do you think? Um... I want Ronda to take the title back. I, you know, at this point, Liv is in a category with people like Hangman Page. Oh, don't chasing, say that. Don't no, do that. You're better chasing the title than you are holding the title. Mm. And there's you're nothing right. wrong with that. Seth Rollins is in that category. Seth Rollins is way better chasing after championships, trying to become the champion, than he is as champion. Because with Seth's character, every time you make him champion, he becomes the chicken shit heel champion, and it doesn't fucking work. Well, there's there's facts to that, because he's held title a lot. But that first title reign was was all classic. The first title reign was great. You're right. The first title reign was great. But two things happened. Number one, his knee done exploded. And as somebody whose knee has also exploded, you are never the same. And I totally get that. So, like, I will never, like, never, ever, ever hold that against you. Because my knee has also exploded. And I know how that shit fucking hurts. Um, But number two... Once he had to go on the shelf and he came back, it wasn't the same. And the character changed. And once the character changed, because it had to, I mean, the entire reason that that run worked was because of things that no longer existed when he came back because they were created for the run. Yeah. Yeah. All facts. Kane and J&J security because they were reaching the point in the run where Kane was turning face and they yeah. were getting ready to blow it all up anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were at the point with that run where I think he'd have maybe gone another month or two and then it would have been over and they'd have had to, sh- and they'd have already shifted to him turning on triple, well, not him turning on triple H, but like everything falling apart and him and triple H going at each other. Well, remember the match that he got hurt promoting was against Kane was against Roman. Oh, it was against Roman. He got hurt in the match with Kane. But the pay-per-view, that premium live event, whatever, that they were leading up to was finally the the match with, with him and Roman. And he got hurt before that match. So, yeah. but you're right. I, mean, I, I We can agree on that. Um, but Heyman Page is more, I think, apt because, number one, uh, they're, they're champions who don't get when they're champions, they they're not treated as the top in their division. Cause like, while Liv is champ, we all know that Ronda's a bigger star, and they treat Ronda like the bigger star. But two, also the company doesn't seem like they fully trust them as champ. Yeah. Um, I so I, I what I want to see is I want to see Liv retain for two reasons: the prospect of Ronda Ronda and Shayna as a team is more interesting to me. Than Ronda being champ because if Ronda's gonna be champ, I don't see her and Shayna sticking together. Um, and two, there's a conspicuous absence on the SmackDown roster, and I'm not talking Mercedes or Trinity. There. Well, then who the fuck are you talking? <clears throat> Woo! Oh yeah, where is that bitch? 
resting up from Andrade. <laughs> if you know yes. what I mean. If you know what I mean. trying to keep her dad from killing himself. Well, gee, that's that's a tough sell on that second one. But her and Andrade like rabbits. I mean, I don't know how they got time to train and wrestle. Well, uh, I mean, she got to wrestling right now, so she's training in another way. But she's 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 due to come back any minute now. She got to be. And a story between her and Liv could be interesting. And Charlotte's going to win the title back anyway. Might as well let it happen now. Oh, I guess, you know, there are some things that are certain in life. She is going to win the title. Speaking of uh, Trinity and Mercedes, they ever coming back? Yeah, I say Royal Rumble time. All right, then. All right, then. I'm, Just in time to, you know, Mercedes, take down the Bailey Empire. Mercedes is really making it hard to believe it. Trinity ain't going nowhere because wrestling is in her family. She's in Hawaii. It's she's coming back. Yeah, of course. And and with res- and, and I mean no disrespect, but Trinity is not the level of star Mercedes is. No, she pretty as fuck though. Lord, no, I love you, Jimmy Uso. Boy, if you went in the bloodline, I, I mean, not Trinity is pretty as fuck. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman. Whew. Can I have a moment um, real fast? Just, just, yeah, you can have a moment. Um, the main event, though, is uh, Bailey and Bianca. And, Bailey uh, and Bianca, too. Woo! Sorry, the, the, the hetero in me is just having... It's, it's spazzing I out mean, right now. I mean, it's fine. I Sorry. love the Not, women. It's wilding out right now. Sorry. It's um, fine. I love the women. Um, Not like I do, brother. Not like I so, do. So Bailey and Bianca are going to face off in the main event. Ladder match. And, you know, I know Bianca has been getting help from Asuka and Alexa. And Alexa, like, Alexa turns, by the way. Oh, Sorry. well, uh, had been getting help from the two of them. Anyway, um, and that's all cute and whatnot. But, like, you know, Bailey does have a whole last stable. So I just feel like, you know... It would make sense if she used that whole ass stable to like cheat and get herself the title and uh, try to run rough shot over Raw. Isn't it a bit too early though? It's never too early for Bailey. I just. It's too early in the sense that she's not ready in the ring yet. You can tell she's still rusty as fuck. Um,. And it's probably too early in the narrative, to be perfectly honest. You're absolutely right. But it was too early the first time she got the title, and it turned out to be the greatest reign ever. Well, look, Bailey is talented enough, is clever enough, and now she has heaters where she's protected enough where anytime she gets the title, she'll be great. But, well, but the I difference mean, between now and, like, before is now, like, she has a fully defined and fleshed out character that is probably, like, honestly the best, like, character yeah. in the division because it's the easiest one to fucking explain. She's just a total Karen. I completely agree. Completely agree. I just think, just me personally here, and again, I'm completely okay with you can talk me out of this. I don't like when heel wrestler comes or any wrestler comes back and immediately wins the title. 
that's not that's because there's no nuance in that. Like, I if if you were to explain, if you were to if you were to tell me, which probably may happen, that she wins because of she shenaniganry, and it, you don't have to pin her. I cool, but I just it's a it's a it's too easy of a trope. No, you said the you said the answer already. It's because she's got heaters now to defend your. It's too easy of a trope. If this were men's wrestling, I would agree with you. If this were the men's division, I'd say you're right. We can't fall back on these basic, easy tropes. But we're not talking about the men's division. We're talking about the women's division, and we're talking about the women's division being treated with, like, deference and relevancy for a change. And if they have to fall on some tropes because they're they're trope number one, they're tropes for a reason. Like, they're tropes because they work. So that's number one. But number two, um, keep going. I just um, saw a video that bothered. Me. I'll tell you what it was when you finish your thought. Is okay because it so, needs it needs to be on the air. This is this is live, y'all. Okay. Well, so number one, um, they're tropes for a reason. They're tropes because they work. But number two, like, again, the women are being treated as an actual big deal. And the reason I say Bailey's going to win, it's not because she's a wrestler who's returned. It's because that that's not the trope they're playing. The trope they're playing is this person has come with heaters. You said it yourself. She's got heaters. And so now these heaters are going to come in and they're going to, you know... Do what heaters do. I'm thinking Edge and Christian with Kurt Angle. When okay. Kurt would have his mat, his ladder matches, and next thing you know, Edge and Christian come out, and they're helping Kurt up the ladder. I got you. Yeah. Or even Rhino with Edge and Christian when Rhino carried Edge up the ladder. Yeah. Or is Christian up the ladder. Yeah. yeah. But, like, that. that's what I mean. Like, that's how it happens, and, you know, Bailey doesn't lose any credibility in that. It doesn't take away from her, or not Bailey. Bianca doesn't lose any credibility in that. It doesn't take away from her at all. Everything is, you know, still, she was outnumbered, especially now that, like you said, Alexa turned on them. So it's like, okay, she was outnumbered. Like, no. Nah. We're going to have to have the conversation very soon. Not yet. Very soon. About we need Bianca's on the verge of becoming Becky and Charlotte-esque in this situation. We don't see her. It's gonna be hard to picture her without the title, and that's gonna hurt her feuds when she's not champion. Because she cannot be champion forever, or she cannot be fighting for the championship forever. And she did a really good job. Um, after her feud with Becky ended before it heated back up. But, like, we're going to have to get to a point where you... It's it's going to be synonymous with, the ti- synonymous with the title, but it also can hurt you if you're not fighting for the title. Seth Rollins is the perfect example who's had to rebuild himself character-wise so much because for the majority of his career, he was, he was so revolved around the title. When he wasn't, it made him look... Yeah, 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 right? And I'm scared about that for Bianca. Well, it's a valid fear to have because this company stays not good at booking women's feuds that aren't about a title. 
Yeah. They're not like they have gotten really good at booking quality feuds for the various belts that they have. They are not yet very good at just like two women having a grudge, like having a grudge feud the way that the men do. And it's confusing to me that they're not good at that because I remember when they first reignited the bland, the brand split and they had those six women in, in the SmackDown women's division. The and SmackDown that, women's six, yeah. Yeah, before they brought in their title yet, those six women just had various legitimate feud feuds to the point that their first pay-per-view was a bunch of women's matches and people were excited because at least two of those women's feuds were fucking bangers. And to and for, to your point, Alexa and Carmella owed their entire career to those yep. few months. Facts. Facts. We take Alexa and Carmella seriously as wrestlers in the division because of those t- because of that time period. Alexa yep. built the character that would become the goddess and Carmella learned to wrestle because her feud was Nikki Bella. Yep. Yep. So 100%. Like it, it was just so great and all of those feuds had layers and meaning and nuance and it allowed the characters to be built and to establish themselves and they don't do it anymore. And no. it's frustrating. Well, I'm hoping with with Uncle Paul in charge, because if there's if there's for all of the negative things you could have said about him in his career and his life, and one of the positives that I don't think anybody can literally legitimately say isn't true, he is a stand up proponent of women's wrestling. Yeah, he has given the women a lot of opportunities. So you know, he's given women the opportunities. Yeah, that is a reason for hope. So I hope that changes, but we'll see. For the record, y'all, the video, the what caused me to have such disdain in my heart, in my soul, and in my mind is I got a I saw I got a clip from AW Dynamite. Again, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. What Dynamite happens? Soraya got physical. She had a brawl with Britt Baker, which is clearly leading to a match between her and Britt. At some point, it made the entire women's division look like shit. Yeah, and again, Soraya's, I get it, biggest name. Soraya's the biggest name in the company now. Britt's been the biggest name. I get on paper, but we know, her, speaking of paper, that's what Soraya's neck is made of. Um, yeah, her back, but the, like, like her back is made of wet noodles. The fact that she got physical, I won't say physical, she didn't take a bump, but she threw, she threw hands, she fought, she... She she uh, threw Britt out of the ring and she gave uh, Rebel Reba not Rebel uh, a kick to the to the head a kneeled kick. It's just just it's a bad omen. So clearly she's wrestling and it, I'm not happy about it. But I, I I've lived with this with Daniel Bryan. I've lived with this with Edge. I've lived with this with so many people who I didn't want to see wrestle again that they did. So at this point, dog, my hands I wash my hands. Yeah. So. Facts, big facts. That's all we can do. I'm just, you know, it's whatever. I'm, I'm, from my perspective, God bless you. From a non-religious perspective, perspective good luck. Yep. Like, Sending good vibes out into the good universe. Good vibes to you, man. man. I, I just hope you stay healthy. Um, <laughs> all right, so we ran through the card. Any extra, anything extra that you want to run, run on or run talk about that we missed? Yeah. No, I think that does it for this week. You know, we've we've hit them with a longer show. Let's get the people out of here on uh, 
good happy vibes on the Friday. So it's been good stuff, I think. We had a good show. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, folks, y'all can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. You can find my good brother Rance on Twitter at It's Ray Cash. It's R E Y as in Mysterio. C A S H as in dollars. Get that Mati. You can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. Again, we are part of the Chairshot Radio Network at Chairshot Media, where you. I thought you had a. You looked, thought you were showing me a Chairshot tattoo. I was like, bro, you are committed. Always use your head, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no Chairshot tattoos. Um, and as always, y'all, we here at the Outsiders Edge are some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything that we can to try to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with that necessary shade, like Tony ain't got no control and no respect from his roster and he needs to get his shit together. Glass houses. And other times we're going to hit you with them necessary realizations like... Tony's got main character syndrome, and Jericho and Punk don't respect the roster because they didn't do it in WWE. Glasshouses. But no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams, and you've got to respect that because, well, if you don't, just like Andrade, <laughs> we just don't give a fuck. Fuck who? Fuck you. Fuck who? Fuck you. Good night. Fuck who? Fuck you. We love y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.